Hi, I'm Arindam Majumdar from Bank of the Ozarks. And I'm Jim Lantino with Chicago Financial Services. And Andy and I prepared an article in the December issue of the RMA Journal on developing best practices and risk identification frameworks, and we wanted to tell you a little bit about it. So, Andy, why is this a good time for folks to be thinking about the risk identification frameworks? Jim, I think uh, risk identification is on the hearts and minds of regulators and internal auditors. Additionally, um, the Federal Reserve uh, released two supervisory letters last year, SR 1518 and 1519. Uh, these letters have clear guidance around risk identification and assessment processes in bank holding companies. And what is it that SR 1518 and 1519 actually have to say about risk identification frameworks? I think these supervisory letters uh, state that a firm's risk identification framework should include a comprehensive, dynamic, and inclusive assessment of uh, risks stemming from its unique business activities and associate, associated exposures. Right. And I know we provide some good examples of how to make sure your risk identification framework is comprehensive, inclusive, and dynamic, including our suggestion about taking a top-down and bottom-up approach to risk identification. But really, why does it all matter, though? How does the presence of a good, robust risk identification framework help us to manage risk better anyway? I think the true litmus test of uh, the strength of a risk identification framework is uh, and finally, seeing how it is used in other important risk uh, management processes uh, at a firm. Like what? What do you mean by that? What are some examples? I think the, the usage of uh, you know, risk identification framework uh, could be you know, in, in informing the firm's risk appetite and KRI development process. It could also be used for SEC reporting, like uh, formulating the risk factors in your annual report. Um, additionally, it could be used for scenario design uh, for stress testing processes like CCAR or DFAST. But I believe uh, the true value of risk identification framework is ultimately its usage to inform a firm's uh, strategic objective setting process. So how do you know when a risk is important enough to even include in your risk inventory? That's a good question, Jim. Um, I think risk inclusion should leverage uh, the firm's internal materiality guidance uh, based on, let's say, likelihood, which is nothing but chance of occurrence of a risk, uh, impact of the risk, which is uh, exposure of the risk upon occurrence, and finally, velocity, which is the time horizon for uh, emerging risks to become current. Right. And then, so what kind of governance do we have to have in place around the risk identification process? Governance should... Um, should broadly include uh, first-line and second-line views, which are incorporated in development of the inventory of uh, the current and emerging risks. Uh, there should be subcommittee review of that inventory. Um, a risk committee and executive management team should review it. And uh, finally, inclusion in uh, risk committee and board-level risk report. Well, thanks, Andy, and, and we hope that gives uh, all of you readers a little bit of a taste of some of the developing best practices around risk identification frameworks. And you can uh, read more about risk identification framework in uh, this month's issue of the RMA Journal. So thanks for reading, everyone.